0: Second Kings chapter four, verse eight to eleven, if you can stand at this time as we read the word. And the Bible says, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunam, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passes us by continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on the day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. Amen. for a few moments today, I'm going to preach on the topic of if you build it, he will come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing with our church planners. We thank you for this great church here today, Atlanta West. Uh, Lord, speak to us today. Let us receive a word and be changed in your image. Uh, From glory to glory, we pray. Put your hands together one more time as you're seated. You may be seated. I've been doing a lot of travel. Just this week along, I've been in St. Louis, Dallas, Atlanta. trying to hard remember where I've been and where I'm going to next. But our country is turning into one giant subdivision. Everywhere I go, get off on an exit, and I'll see a Lowe's or Home Depot, Bank of America, Publix, you know. And I round the corner, be a Starbucks or a Dunkin' Donuts. All the houses look the same. Uh, and sometimes you go somewhere, and they're putting in a, a grocery store, and you say, "Why would they put a grocery store here in the middle of nowhere?" But they know what they're doing because you come back three months later, there's 4,000 homes, there's a school, parks, and everything else. Uh, Because developers have a saying that says, if you build it, uh, they will come but I not come to preach to you about developers. Uh, I come to preach to you about a God uh, that created man for one reason. Uh, he created man for fellowship. Uh, and God is looking for someone uh, that will build a place for God. Uh, and every time you build a place for God, God is going to show up. Uh, We just watched a video about a young lady that went to a town with less than 3,000 people and said, I will build a place for God. Uh, And when she built it uh, and you helped her build it, uh, 125 people getting baptized. How does that happen in a town that size? Because we serve a God that if you will build a place for God, uh, if you will make some room for God, uh, we serve a God that's always going to show up. He desires that fellowship inside of us. Uh, and we read here in 2 Kings uh, chapter 4, uh, the Bible says there was a woman, uh, and she was a great woman. Uh, she was a woman of means. Uh, she was a woman that was well-known, uh, but she noticed a man of God was always passing on the road in front of her house. Uh, and every time she saw the man passing by, she would invite him into her house uh, and say, Spend time with me and my husband, uh, and they would break bread together. Uh, And bread in the Bible always represents the word of God. Amen. Uh, And he would sit there and they would feed him uh, and he would talk about the miracles. He would talk about the great things uh, that God is doing. Uh, Well, let me tell you something I've learned. Uh, The more time you spend breaking bread in the word of God, the more time you're going to want to spend uh, in the breaking bread of the word of God. Uh, People say, why do you go to church so much? Uh, They don't understand what it's like. Uh, When you come into the house of God uh, and receive the word of God, what it does for your life. But something happened one day. She looked at her husband and said, I'm tired uh, of this passing by experience. Uh, I'm tired of just having the man of God come by on an occasional basis. Uh, Let's build a room for him. Uh, Let's build a place for him. Uh, Let's make a change in our relationship uh, and let's build a room for the man of God. You see, there's something uh, about when you spend time with God, uh, you desire a deeper relationship with him. Uh, You're not satisfied with that passing by occasional experience. uh, Once a month, once a week, every once in a while, you want more of God. So she said, let's build a room for God. I come to challenge Atlanta West today. Have you built a room for God in your life? Is there a place in your life for God? in between your career, your education, getting the kids back and forth to practice, well, and maybe not this year, but in previous years, shuttling them back and forth to school and all those things. You know, one thing I've become convinced in 2020 is easier for the devil to keep apostolics busy than it is to get them to sin. And the devil doesn't care what it takes for you to not do the will of God. The devil doesn't care what it takes for you to not do the work of God. Uh, The devil doesn't care what it takes for you for the things of God to not come first. Uh, if it's sin or if you're just too busy, uh, we don't have time for church uh, with our family, but we dare not miss a sports game. Uh, we dare not miss our favorite show. Uh, we dare not miss a deadline for work, but the things of God become, I mean, optional. Do you have room in your life for God? Have you built a place for God? Because God cannot show up in a place where there is no room for him. When they got ready to build the room, the scripture says, she told her husband, let's put it on the wall. Uh, in those days, he had a wall around the top of their house. Uh, it was the most visible part of their home. Uh, she said, uh, we're not going to build the room in the basement. We're not going to build the room in the back of the house. Uh, amen. We are going to build the room where people come. People see it. People know it's the first thing they see about us. That's a room we built for God. And I challenge you today. that should to be the first thing people say about you. One thing I've wondered, though, the Bible says this woman was barren. And back in those days, before they understood medical reasons uh, of why someone could be barren, uh, when a woman could not have a child, they assumed uh, that she was cursed, even though that was not true. Uh, And I've often wondered to myself, uh, if she had a house full of kids, uh, if she had grandkids on the way, uh, she may have been so busy building a nursery, building adding onto to the house for her kids, uh, that maybe she would not have built a room for the man of God. Uh, and sometimes uh, it's your barrenness. Uh, sometimes it's your emptiness. Sometimes it's your lack uh, that would drive you to a place where you say, I must build a room for God because nothing else is working. And it made a difference in their relationship because before they built the room, uh, he could only come uh, when he was invited. Uh, He could only come uh, when they saw him passing by. Uh, But now, guess what? Uh, He had his own key. Uh, He had his own room. Uh, He could come anytime. Uh, Before, he could only come uh, when they were on the front porch uh, and saw him passing by. Uh, But now, sometimes they go to town to do some shopping uh, and they would come back uh, and lo and behold, his children. Was there, and they would say, We did not know the man of God was going to be here today, but he's here already. Uh, see, let me tell you something. Uh, when you build a room for God, God will already be there. Amen. And in the midst of your trial, and your situation, you don't have to go looking for him because much of your surprise, uh, right there, God's already there and now they had a place to stay. Guess what that became? Uh, that became like his headquarters for that area. You know, when you go somewhere, you got a place to stay. Uh, my brother lives in Houston. Uh, when I go to Houston, you know what I can stay? I can come early. I can stay late. Uh, I can stay longer. I got a place to stay from because uh, when you build a room for God, that becomes God's headquarters. Uh, when God wants to work in your school, uh, when God wants to work in your community, when God wants to work in your neighborhood, you say, Get Guess what, God? There's a place right here. You can work from here. When you're ready to win my school, when you're ready to win my coworkers, when you're ready to win my neighbors, I have built a room for you. You stay here. You live here. You work from here. And God will show up. But she didn't just build a room. She told her husband, there's four things got to be in this room. We can't just build a room. Four things must be in the room. First, she said, let's put a bed in the room. Because without a bed, he can't stay too long. If you brought me to your house and said, Brother Stewart, here's my guest room. Stay as long as you want. And the only piece of furniture there was one of these chairs. Well, I'm not staying too long. I can't sleep on that chair. Amen, I said, well, I guess I'll be here a couple of hours and I'm going to leave. Uh, but you got to have a place for God, for God to get comfortable, a place for God, for God to stay, uh, a place for God, where God can lay down, uh, where he can stay. Well, I say, God, uh, I put a bed in here. You come, you show up, you stay as long as you want to. The second thing she said, let's put a table in there. See, a table represents a place to be fed. And is there a place in your life? For God to feed you. Not long after my wife and I were married, she asked me a strange question. She said, what time will be dinner time for us and the kids? And I said, dinner time, what's that? I grew up in a family of nine kids, 11 of us. We never ate around a table at a certain time, we couldn't fit. So my mama just cooked the meal and you got it when you were hungry. You ate by yourself, you ate with someone and my wife came from a home where they ate every night together. And then she said, we got to have a set time for dinner time. But you know what? I look forward to that time uh, because that was a time you could sit there with the kids uh, and you could hear about what happened in school that day. Uh, You could connect with them and you could talk with them. I know now you're sitting there on Facebook, all you're on your own phones, but that's a whole nother message. Amen. But God needs somewhere in your life where you can sit down and let him talk to you. Let him feed you spend time together. So many times uh, we treat God like, you know, the express line at the grocery store, 10 requests or less on my way out the door. God, here's the 10 things I need you to fix. Uh, God says, no, sit down for a while. Uh, let's fellowship for a while. Is there a table where we can spend some time together where I can talk? to you. And we can fellowship. The third thing she said must be in the room. There must be a stool. And I think that stool represents a throne, a place for God to sit and rule in your life. Too many people know exactly what they want God to do, but have no understanding of what God wants them to do. They got a long list of, God, you can do this, you can do this for me. But God says, let me tell you what you need to do first. You see, growing up in my home, my dad had a chair. And when dad was home, no one sat in that chair but dad. But dad could sit in that chair and miracles would happen. Dishes got washed. Lawns got cut. Rooms got cleaned. Because dad sat in that chair and what he spoke came into existence. Is there a place for God to sit in your life and talk to you? Is there a place where God can tell you what to do and you do it? Uh, because it's not submission if it don't hurt. Uh, it's not submission if you agree with it. And too many people will only listen to the man of God when it's agreement with what they want it to do anyway. But God needs a place where he can sit and he can say, this is what you're going to do. And the fourth thing in the room was a candlestick, uh, because there must be light inside the room. uh, And light does two things. uh, Light gives you light, and light gives light to others. uh, We are the light of the world. Put a light inside that room. You are a child of God. Let it shine brightly. You overcome the devil by the word of your testimony. God will give you light that will light your path, and light that will be a light to others also. You know, and God is no respect of persons. He don't have a building code for what you must build this room with. Uh, Just take what you have, and God's going to show up. Uh, All Jacob had was a pile of stones, uh, amen, that he made for a pillow, and God showed up. Uh, Amen. When they got ready to build the tabernacle, all they had was some skins uh, to build it out, of, and God showed up in the Holy of Holies. So it don't matter what you have. It don't matter what you don't have. It don't matter where you're from. It don't matter what you look like. Just say, I'm going to build a room for God. I'm going to put a bed in there and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and God's going to show up. Put up the next picture for me, if you can, please. Uh, amen. Uh, if you look at this picture here, they're going to put up on the screen. Uh, you might not recognize what this is, uh, but this is Tabernacle of Hope uh, in Tampa, Florida. Amen. Where God called my wife and I to plant a church. Uh, this is probably the worst street corner on the inner city of Tampa with drug deals and prostitutions. Uh, we've had drive-by shootings happen right there in our parking lot. We've had people stabbed. Uh, amen. Right there in that parking lot. We had to come early. The men would have to come early to clean up all the drug paraphernalia and different things that people left by the front door before people got there for church. And uh, people said to me sometimes, how can you have church there? Aren't you scared where you are? And I said, no, it's the safest place in town. I got cops in the parking lot 24 hours a day. Amen. I don't have to call 911 if I have a problem. Uh, They're always here. Uh, But lo and behold, I noticed something as the years began to go by. The cops were there less. Uh, The drug deals were in happening. The prostitutes were gone. Why is that? Because we said we are going to build a place for God and it don't matter where it is. It don't matter what it looks like. It don't matter what's going on. On the worst street corner in town, if you say, I will build a place for God, God's going to show up. Go on to the next slide. This is one of our church planners uh, that you helped to support. Uh, a church in Crawfordville, Florida. Uh, they wanted to buy this building and they had no money. Uh, and one of the church members went to her boss simply to ask money to help with a deposit for the bank. Uh, and her boss said, Well, how much is it? Uh, and she said, The amount of the deposit. He said, No, how much is it for the building? And she said, $120,000. Uh, and standing right there in her office, uh, he wrote a check to the church uh, and said, Take that to your pastor and tell him, buy the building. Because why? When you build a place for God, miracles happen. God shows up. Uh, amen. Go to the next slide. Uh, when you look at this slide here, I'm sure none of you are going to recognize what this is. Uh, amen. Looking at this campus, looks like a military compound. Uh, this is the University of Central Florida. Amen. In Orlando, Florida, almost 70,000 students uh, who my daughter just graduated from. Uh, and they went there almost five years ago, raising a church planning family, uh, and they found out, amen, there was not an apostolic witness on that campus. Uh, there was not a CMI chapter in that campus campus uh, and right there surrounded by almost 70,000 students uh, doing all kind of ungodly things. You can go to the next slide. Uh, they decided we are going to build a room for God right here on the college campus and there's a pictures of people receiving the Holy Ghost right there in the middle of that campus being baptized in Jesus name in a pool at their apartment complex. It don't no matter where it is. It could be your high school, it could be a college campus. You just got to say I will build a a room for God. And if I build it, God's going to come. You go to the next slide and you none of you probably going to recognize this building. Some of you may but most of you won't. It looks like a convention center. It could be anything almost 134,000 square feet this is New Life Austin that was started by our journal superintendent David Bernard, now pastor by Rodney Shaw. And you look at this beautiful building. Have you ever been there on the inside? Uh, just a beautiful place. But go to the last slide. Uh, and what is this here? This is April 5th, 1992. This was the very first service uh, of New Life Austin. And there is David Bernard standing in front of the room. And in the back of the room, you can see Connie Bernard on the keyboard. Uh, and in their living room, guess what you see there? You see some tables you see some chairs Uh, and this was the start to uh, a man of new life Austin. It was just a room. Uh, It was just a living room. Who would have known on April 5th 1992 that this would be our future general superintendent and wife. Uh, Who could have known on April 5th 1992 that it would end in a hundred and thirty four thousand square foot building to impact the city of Austin with twenty one daughter and sister churches. Nobody could have known that back then but let me tell you something when you decide to build a room for God. God. and that's why we come to appeal to you this Christmas of Christ season to give like you've never given before because every dollar that you give, it goes to build more rooms like New Life Austin. Last year, amen, America spent $465 billion on Christmas. That was an average of $700 per person. So if your wife or husband did not spend $700 on you last year, they owe you for this year. And we th- are thankful for the $5.4 million given at Christmas for Christ uh, last year. But if the United Pentecostal Church membership, uh, amen, would give an average of $700 per person to Christmas for Christ like we do for each other, uh, our offering would go to five. dollars hundred million dollars i come to tell somebody it's time to build some rooms it's time to build some more new life houses it's time to invest in the kingdom of god because god will do great things when we build some rooms for him but let's look back at this story because what happens after you build a room for god look at verse number 13 the man that God came to her and said, what do you need from God? You see, some of you are so worried and asking God for what you need. When you build a room for God, God shows up and says, what do you need from me? What can I do for you today? And she said, guess what? I don't need nothing. I'm with my own people. And the next verse, Gehazi says what? She has no child. And why? Because her husband is old. So the reason she was barren was not even her fault. It was her husband's fault because he was old. But see, when you build a room for God, it don't matter what got you in the mess you're in. Uh, We have too many people with a victim mentality. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what abuse you suffered. She was in her barren state. It was not her fault because her husband was old. When you build a room for God, it don't matter how you got there. God can still do miracles. The next verse 16, uh, you know, she thought it was a lie, but she received that promise of a child. Uh, Amen. The promise grew. uh, Amen. But one day, man, in verse number 18, uh, the promised son, uh, he went to work with the father in the fields uh, and he fell. uh, And he said, my head, my head, my head. And the father said, take him to his mother. And I thought, well, of course, because mom has to fix all the problems anyway in the house. That makes a lot of sense, Uh, but one day something hit me. He he didn't just say take him to his mother because she was his mother, but he knew she had built a room for God, and when you build a room for God, people will bring you their problems. Uh, Sometimes on your job and in your family, people bring you problems. You say, you think that's a problem? Let me tell you about my problems, Uh, but when you build a room for God, don't be surprised when people bring you their problems, Uh, amen, because they know you got somewhere to take them. And look what happened in verse 20. The son came home and at noontime, the promise died. But look at where it died. The Bible says the promise died on her knees. Uh, I come to tell you that sometimes your promises do die, but make sure when they die, they die with you on your knees. Uh, make sure when they die, they die with you being faithful. They die with you still coming to church. We're still giving to God. We're still serving. Let the promise die, but it's going to die on my knees that's where I'm going to be but look what happened in verse 21 she took that dead son she lifted herself up from that situation and look where she took him to she took him into the room she built for God because the reason you must build a room for God is that promises are going to die in your life sometime healings don't happen like you want them to Loved ones don't always get through like you want them to. Unsaved loved ones don't always come back. Businesses fail sometimes. Marriages seem to end sometimes. Promises die. If you have not built a room for God, you have nowhere to take a dead promise. But she took her son to that room. And look what she did. She closed the door. Because you can't tell everybody about a dead promise. Some of you put too much of your problems on Facebook. That's a whole other message too. Everybody don't need to know about all your dead promises. But she took him to the room and she closed the door and she came to her husband and said, give me a lad and a donkey. I got to go find the man of God. Look at verse 23. He said, why? It's not church today. It's no feast, no holiday. Why you got to go to church? But when you got a dead promise, you can't wait for Sunday. You can't wait for Wednesday. I need God and I need God now. So, Honey, you don't understand. I got a dead promise upstairs. I got a room up there with a dead promise. I got to go find the man of God. In verse 26, she found him and he said, he said, well with you your husband your son she said it is well why would you say it is well when you have a dead promise but once you built a room for god even after promise dies something says inside of you it is well it is well it is well with my soul even when you can't understand what you're going through there's peace you have that nobody can give you but you know you built a place for god in your life The man of God came in verse 32, and he found a dead promise laid on the bed that was built to be that permanent place for God. Uh, In verse 33, he shut the door and prayed unto Jehovah. In verse 34, the miracle started. He laid upon the child uh, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, and the body started getting warm. Wow, that's amazing. But look at verse number 35. This is one of the ones I find the most interesting. After the child started coming back to life, look what happened in verse 35. The Bible says a man of God left the room and he began to walk to and fro in the house. And a woman is like, man of God, what's wrong with you? I got a dead promise upstairs. Get out of the kitchen. Get get back in that room with a dead promise. And sometimes in your life, when you have a dead promise, the hardest thing for you to do is see God work in other parts of your life and blessing other people. I got a dead promise upstairs, God but you're walking to and fro everywhere else. You go in here and there. So what are you doing down here? Get back upstairs. Where I got a dead promise in there, and I think sometimes, like a mechanic fixing your transmission, he says, "You know what? While I'm in here, I might as well fix a spark plug. I might as well fix some other things." Uh, And when you, in your life, understand, uh, Amen, that God knows what you need, uh, and God's able to do a miracle, but sometimes God has to walk to and fro uh, before He completes the work that He has begun, uh, because God says, "I don't want you to be back in this situation again. I'm trying to give you a permanent solution." And right now, downstairs in this house, uh, we have a husband that's filled with guilt uh, because he knows he was the reason why you didn't have a son for so long and now he killed the son. So he's kicking himself saying, I can't believe that happened. You got a wife filled with doubt saying, I knew it was a lie. I knew I was never going to be blessed. I knew I was cursed. And so the prophet said, I got to come down here and do some work down here first before I go back upstairs and do what God is about to do. As long as God is in the blessing business, let him bless others. Let him work in the other places in your life and trust God when he's walking to and fro. But in verse 36, he goes back into the room. And the miracle is now complete. The child is fully healed. But this is what I find the most interesting. I would think the prophet would say, Johnny, God has done a great miracle. Get up and run downstairs and give mom a hug. That's not what he says. He says, Gehazi, go call the woman to come here and get her son. Now, keep in mind, the last time she was in that room, a dead promise laid on the bed. The last time she was in the room, she built for God a dead promise laid on the bed. And now she was being called to go back to that room. That had to be the longest walk of her life. Because when you put it on that doorknob, she closed that door. She, did, she closed it on purpose. It's a dead, stinking promise in there now. And this time, she had to go back to the same door and open it not knowing what was going to be on the other side. And I came to preach to two people today. The first person is those that have not yet built a room for God. You've not yet repented of your sins. You've not yet been baptized in water in that wonderful name. You've not yet been filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the first step to build a room for God. But I came to preach to a second group of people today too. There's some of you that have a room you built for God where a promise died. And you've closed that door and said, I'm never going back. Because most of us, when the man of God said, go back to the room where there was a dead promise, then we would have said? No, God, I will not go back in that room. I'll sing in the choir. I'll usher. I'll work the parking lot. I'll teach Sunday school. I'll work. it." But God, don't ask me to go back in the room when the last time I was there. A dead promise laid across the bed. I'll do anything for you, God, but no, 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 God. uh, My husband did not even know about that room. My kids don't know about that room. Uh, My wife don't know about that room. And God, you've been walking to and fro and working in other areas of my life, but that room is a place I will never, ever, ever go back to. Because the last time in that place that i built so many years ago that I, I said god you're going to call me you're going to use me you're going to bless me you've answered my prayers you gave me a promise you've done all the things you said and i built a room for you and i put a bed and, and i put a stool and i put a table and I, I did all the stuff they told me to do and all that i have left in that room is a dead promise and god i will never go back there again but guess what she had to do walk up those stairs walk to the door that she had closed with a dead promise behind it and opened the door not knowing what to expect on the other side. But lo and behold, much to her possible surprise, on the other side of the door, guess what it was? A miracle had happened. And I come to challenge some people today that have some dead promises they locked up in some rooms many, many years ago. That God is saying it's time to go back to that room. You, the same room you built for me those years ago. Now, I don't need another room. I don't need you to build me a second room. But that room you built for me, and you put that stuff in there, and you believed in me. I'm still God. I'm still in God. I know it's 2020, and you've been through a lot, but there's a room you built for God. Look at 2 Kings chapter 8, the man of God came back uh, and he said, I got some bad news here. You built this house. You're a great woman. You got all this stuff going for you, but he says, um, I need you to leave here. There's going to be a famine for seven years. In verse 1, he says, go sojourn where you can sojourn. Just find the best place you can be. You're going to be homeless for seven years. There's a famine coming. And the Bible says she arose and she left. In verse 2, she lived with the Philistines, their enemy, for seven years. Uh, but you know what? She held on to the word of God. He said, it's only seven years long. Uh, In those seven years, she had to find a new way to feed her family. In those seven years, she had to find a new way to live. And most of us would have said, well, we've been here seven years now. We got a new place to live. We got a new way to make income. Let's just stay here. Uh, But the Bible said that in the seven years, she got her son, uh, said, I'm going back to the king uh, and I'm going to cry for my land. Uh, I'm going to cry for my house. Uh, And the scriptures don't list the fact that her husband even came back with her. uh, And I wondered, did he die? But I I don't think he died. I think he said, honey... Forget about that house. Uh, forget about that room. Uh, forget about that land. Uh, forget about that promise. Uh, it's, that's, that was seven years ago. We got a new business now. Uh, we got a new ministry now. We got everything going for us now. Why go back to where that was? It says, no, honey, that's a place I built for God. I'm going to go back and I'm going to get it. And, uh, now, she came to the king to cry to the king for her land. Uh, the Bible says there in verse four that the king asked Gehazi, Tell me some stories of what the, your, the man of God did. Elijah and he said let me tell you about this time uh, that a woman had died uh, and she had a promise I'm sorry her son had died uh, and the woman had a promise and she put that promise in her room and the man of God came and prayed and it came back to life Uh, and as he was telling that story look at that the Bible says my Lord O king this is the woman right here I was just telling you about her testimony I was telling you about her witness here she is right here and she thought she'd have to get to the king and beg and explain and give documents and titles and deeds but guess what her testimony went before her because she followed what the man of God said said come back in seven years and when you build a room for God it might have been seven years of famine it might have been seven years of living with Philistines it might have been seven years of promises never coming true but she went back to the man of God and the king said what give her everything back give her a house give her her land and for the entire seven years, give her every piece of crop that she missed, because the Bible says, "I will restore to you the years of locusts at Eden, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palm of worm. The great army. I'm gonna give it all back to you. Because if, if you build it, God is going to come. If you build it, God is going to come. If you build it, God is going to come. And when the promises die, we serve God. And bring it back to life. As I close, put the picture back up of my church. That was the first light you put back up there. June of 2017, I went through so much. I thought my dad needed open heart surgery. I had so many things that went wrong. So many things wrong in my life. And on a Saturday night, I got an email from a former partner of mine, business partner, and said, "I've Saturday night, I've shut the bank account. I've canceled all the Credit cards and everything is shut down. My wife said, what are you going to do? Saturday night, what can you do? Banks are closed. So I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I know what I will do Sunday morning. I'm going to walk into a room I built for God. I don't know what's going to happen Monday, but Sunday I'm going to walk into a room I built for God. Uh, and I'm going to preach like I've never, I don't know what's going to happen, but I built a room for God. I'm going to go back there. And I walked in that morning, and one of my guys came to me, handed me an envelope that was handwritten. It had been mailed to three different addresses. It's a whole story I couldn't even tell you. The customer that paid me direct deposit, The check was mailed three weeks ago. It was lost by the mail for three weeks. And that same Saturday, it had come in the mail. After church, I opened it up, three envelopes in one, and it was one of the biggest checks that my business had ever received. Uh, And so all of a sudden, I had direction. I had a way. I knew what was going to happen. When I walked into church that morning, the dream seemed to be over. Bankruptcy seemed to be looming. Uh, I had no idea what I was going to do. Uh, But I knew one thing. Uh, I had built a room for God. And that's where I was going to go. As we stand together right now, I've told you I've come to preach to two people. Those that need to build a room for the first time. Those that need to go back to a room that they haven't been to for a long time. But also, by every eye closed, I'm going to challenge you to help us build some rooms for God. In the seat pocket, pocket in front of you, you'll see a card. Christmas for Christ commitment. And you're going to help us build some rooms today. We're going to challenge you to fill this card out. You can scan the QR code on the back. And on your way out, you're going to give it to the ushers. Those of you that are watching online, there's ways online, you can give and join. And on this card, you can pledge from $5 to $1,000 or write it in an amount. But I believe there's some people that God's going to talk to and give 5000 10,000, 15,000, whatever number it is that God gives you or you and your spouse to give today because we need to build some more rooms. Uh, You watched a video, amen, of that young lady in Owensville, Missouri. uh, Went to a town of 2,000 people and doing a great work for God. You watch the screen. You saw David Bernard, amen, there in his living room in Austin, Texas in 1992. So we're challenging you today. Don't limit God today. We're challenging you today that, that God will give you a number to write down. And to commit to him for Christmas for Christ, this money is going to go for church planners. Uh, The PlayStation 5 should not be the biggest gift you give at Christmas time. Your gift should be to God. So we're going to challenge you to write that number down and go online and give that number and pledge and say, God, I'm going to build a room for you somewhere in North America. I'm going to give so a church planner can build a room. But those that are here, the altar is open. There are places marked for you to come down safely. If you have not repented of your sins, come forward right now and say, Lord, I, I want to repent of my sins. If you've not been baptized in water in his name, amen, we can baptize you today. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost and come forward. There's, there's people you need you and some of you here have never built a room. Don't be embarrassing. You need a place to take some dead promises. Some people God's called said, come build me a room. You've been so busy building stuff for yourself. Come build a room for me. God's calling some people right now to say come, come, come build a room for me. They have altar counselors that will pray with you but there's others here that have built a room. The God's saying come back to the room. There's couples here that God wants to restore your marriage today business owners here to God say I can restore your business there's lives that need to be put back together so you've been struggling with some addictions and things you've been hiding for so long because you're running from the room that used to have a dead promise Uh, but God's going to bring some dead promises back to life today but come forward today and say God I'm going to go back to the room Uh, I'm going to trust you Uh, I'm going to believe my miracle has happened come forward right now uh, as they sing and say Lord help me today because I know one thing uh, I built it and God is going to come let's come forward at this time in Jesus name